Behold, the genius Lanny Popper, the world's smartest man. Sometimes what goes on behind the scenes is stronger than the soap opera on the video screen. Hi gang, this is Mean Gene Okerlund. Welcome to the Genius Cast with Laddie Poffel and J.P. Zarka. Both, as you know, are very dear, close, personal, longtime friends. Ladies and gentlemen, the poet and limerick writing, motivational speaking brother of WWE Hall of Famer Randy Savage, the genius, Leaping Lanny Poffo! Hello, wrestling fans. My name is Lanny Poffo. Welcome to the Genius Cast. And here is my very good friend... JP Zarka of ProWrestlingStories.com and we're coming at you this week with a two-for-one Christmas Eve special with interviews with Hotshot Danny Duggan and one of the greatest wrestlers to ever don a pair of tights, Terry Funk. Before we get into those interviews, tell our listeners about your time up in Nova Scotia, Canada. Besides freezing my butt off, let's see, or, <laughs> or bum off as they say in Canada. Right, um, out here in England as well. Hello, take you off with a feather. What? <laughs> Particularly nasty weather. Oh. Anyway, I had a great time. Everybody treated me well. There's going to be a documentary. I don't want to get into it, but there's going to be 13 episodes all throughout Canada, and they have chosen yours truly to be the narrator. So I'll be going back and forth to Halifax a lot. Oh, that's fantastic. So they're going to be using your voice to be the backdrop, kind of like a David Annabra thing. Who's he? Oh, you don't know David Attenborough. He does a lot of documentaries, you know, Planet Earth, I believe, Blue Planet. He's the voice. He narrates those. Really fantastic stuff. He's done a lot of things over the years. Well, the sad thing is I was only in the Maritimes from in, in the summer of 1978 and in the summer of 1983. But Leo Burke was in the Maritimes like forever. And I told him, I said, listen... Uh, and he's not well enough to, he's having back surgery and everything, and he's not doing well. And he lives in Calgary. And I said, get to Calgary and shoot him. You know, I mean, film him, you know, record yeah, don't, him. Yeah. Don't shoot him. Okay. <laughs> right. But uh, Leo Burke, I am not the king of the Maritimes. Leo Burke was. And um, I say, go there and do it. So they said, well, you know, he's not doing well. I said, well, then at least go there and Ask him why he's not doing well. You know what I mean? Because if he's not in it, you might as well not do it. Right. While he's still here. So anyway, uh, Leo Burke was a very nice person and very nice to me. And he, if there is a Hulk Hogan of the Maritimes, it was him, not me. But since I'm cogent and um, lively and a young 64, I, by the way, um, I will be de- I will be 64 December 28th. That is, I guess... What, four days from now? Four days after this drops, yeah. Yes. I'm going to give you some homework. You, you need to check out the Hulk Hogan of uh, nature documentaries, David Attenborough. Check him out. Hit him up on Google. You're going to find some great stuff. Okay, very good. If you follow us on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Genius Cast, follow if you haven't already. There's a cheap plug right there. You will have seen Lanny promoting our weekly shows in short video clips each week. Now, a few weeks ago, we had clips of you promoting our episodes while you were out in Japan. And for the past two weeks, you were seen wearing a Genius Cast t-shirt, which we'll have available for our listeners real soon, so look out for that, while you were on a beach in Florida. 
And then, in a stark contrast to that, this week, you were seen bundled up in the Arctic tundra of Nova Scotia, Canada, which we've just talked about. You certainly get around. Now, one of our listeners, Chris Costner, he came up with the fun idea that each week we should have a competition for our followers on our social media accounts to kind of guess where you are in the world, judging by the clip alone. The first person to guess correctly each week will get a shout out on our show. What do you think about doing something like that? It's good if I'm traveling a lot. If not, it's going to be just local stuff. You know, I don't uh, get around that much. Um, yeah, it'll be the first person to guess Lanny's couch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, uh, a lot of times it's been my neighbor's couch because um, I have neighbors and uh, I go over there a lot and I'd rather do it there than at my place. Fair enough. Uh, otherwise, I have to use, if I do it myself, I have to use the Bluetooth uh, thing that, you know, and then you can see me go click, you know. Right. Oh, I can always edit that out. But no, I think you've been very creative with the way you promote our shows online. And give us a follow on the Genius Cast. You're going to see wonderful videos of Lanny doing that. We've got a ton of great pictures, a lot of rarities, you know, from the ICW days, the 70s, your father as the miser and everything else. Check us out at the Genius Cast and you'll find some great stuff there. Now, we've both been clocking a bit of air miles as of late. I just got back to London after a second trip to Chicago in a two-week span. Sadly, my grandmother, Lorraine Lenz, passed away at the age of 96 on the 5th of December. I'd been out to see her two weeks before that and um, she was gone. With the holidays coming up, it's not going to be easy, but there's plenty of reasons to smile, too. And with loss like this, it instills an inner motivation to do so much more in life. Now, Lenny, you've experienced your fair share of loss over the past few years. What advice do you have for our listeners for turning loss into something positive? My advice is don't listen to me. Listen to Dr. Wayne Dyer, who passed away about two years ago. And I've got five rules for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, talk to your loved ones who left this world before you. They can still hear you. Number two, send love to your loved ones who are still with you in this world. They are still beside you. Number three, spread love and kindness. The light already surrounds you. Let it flow through you. Number four, honor your own life. You are alive. How amazing is that? We may not know what the next adventure will be, but this one is happening right now. Feel it. Do something with it. Live the life you want to do now. Number five, decide this is true. Dr. Wayne Dyer tells us that snowflakes never go away. They simply change form, solid to liquid, liquid to solid, from the seen to the unseen. This is you. This is the love you thought you lost, together melting into oneness. Really, really good, encouraging words to live your life by, you know, and as Wayne Dyer said, and as I've tried to do in my own life is try to live more. Don't live for later, live for now. Don't have any words unsaid with your loved ones. Reach out, tell them you care about them, tell them how much they mean to you so that you don't have any words unspoken when they do go. You know, in four days, I'm going to be 64, almost said 74. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no guarantee I'm going to live four days. Um, Have you seen me drive? No, you haven't. Well, there you you go. Um, 
Live every day like it was your last and treat everybody you know like it was their last. I think our listeners hopefully will gain something from this. On YouTube, check out Dr. Wayne Dyer. Also check out the Genius Cast. Absolutely. Now, my wife, daughter, and I, we're flying off to Germany this Friday, which is actually three days before the day of the release of this show. And we're going to be spending time with her family out there in a small town 40 miles south of Berlin. I absolutely love it out there. And the Germans, they know how to do the holidays right with their Christmas markets, mold wine, town festivals, and so on. What memories do you have of visiting Germany? Oh, I've, I'm very lucky because uh, I went with the WWE and uh, I've been to just about every major city in Germany. And uh, then uh, as an indie wrestler, I did about three tours of Austria and Germany. And um, basically, I'm, I don't know anybody who's not a wrestler that gets to travel for free as much as I do. What a gift that your career has been able to give you is being able to see the world like that off of somebody else's dime. That's one of the payoffs of wrestling. Some people just count the money. I count the experiences. Absolutely. You've done it the right way. Now, we're going to go into our first interview this week, and it's with Hotshot Danny Duggan. Now, for those who don't know who he is, he's a three-time Canada wrestling elite heavyweight champion, as well as a promoter out in Canada. You may have heard about him in the recent debacle he had where he called out Brutus the Barber Beefcake last month for being unprofessional and skipping dates on the CWE tour up in Canada. This was all over the wrestling news sites last month and it prompted a hefty response from Beefcake where he was saying it was the conditions that he was forced to travel in that they weren't ideal for him so he took off and went home. You can learn all about this by doing a bit of a Google search of just search Beefcake and Danny Duggan. Plenty of articles will show up from there. We're excited to have Danny on our show. He talks about what happened last month in detail. It's a lot of dirt dished, and it's an exciting listen, and we're happy to bring you this interview now. Danny Warren, welcome to the Genius Cast. I met you for the first time, I believe, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and then again in Tower, Minnesota. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's been a busy time up uh, up in Canada this time of year. Just got back off the road from Michigan uh, early this morning and ready to talk with the genius. The genius. I hope I don't let you down. That's a tough gimmick to live up to. And uh, <laughs> so tell me, tell me something. Um, why all the traveling? What are you busy doing? Tell me about yourself. Well, uh, a little bit of two things here that's keeping me so busy on the wrestling end. Uh, for those not familiar with me, I operate a company called Canadian Wrestling's Elite based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, we're going on our 10th anniversary here in a couple weeks. And we're based out of Winnipeg, but we're the only touring company in North America running just as many dates or, or under as many dates as WWE. I think we finished just under 120 events this year uh, going across British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario, and uh, we're rapidly expanding with more dates on the schedule for next year. So that's keeping me on the road so busy as a promoter, and then as well as a professional wrestler. I've been doing that for 16 years as well, going across Canada, uh, regularly uh, working on events in the United States, and I've uh, done some tours of Japan as well. Wow, that's terrific. I'm glad you're doing so well, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's very exciting. Now let me ask you a bit of a loaded question. Have you ever met a wrestler that agreed to do something and then didn't? <laughs> I've probably met a few over the years. Well, you're not in a court of law. Consider me your friend. Uh, the microphone is yours. Go for it. 
Well, I, I believe, you know, the, the most recent one that's been kind of the eye of controversy over the last couple of weeks has, has been our latest tour, uh, the Strutton and Cutting Tour. And that was, you know, the biggest company or the biggest tour we ran in company history. We did 32 events in 32 days uh, across those five provinces mentioned. And that tour was headlined uh, by a man you're no stranger with. He's giving you a haircut on a WrestleMania uh, in Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And he was the headliner for the tour. Uh, he was signed to appear on the tour and do a meet and greet with fans uh, prior to the event and at the intermission, as well as do a special appearance on the live event itself. And, and due to some physical limitations, he was uh, put in the position of special outside the ring referee, uh, which was a fancy way to dress him up and make him active on the event without having to get too physical. And then at the end of the night, give a, give a haircut, much like you've experienced in the past. And it didn't quite turn out that way every single night, but we definitely tried so um, did anything happen? Um, did he happen to up and leave or something? Yeah, and that's kind of where the controversy came from. And, you know, those who want a full statement, I'm sure we'll discuss most of it, if not all of it in detail here. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash CWE Canada uh, to get the full statement. But he was booked for 32 events. Uh, he appeared on 27 events. And then in the middle of the night, after the night of 27, got on a plane and went home. And uh, failed to mention it to anybody that he was leaving. And it wasn't until the next day when we were driving to Thunder Bay, Ontario, to a sold-out event. Uh, two hours prior to the event, we realized, hey, Brutus isn't here. And he isn't coming because he uh, didn't inform me. He just kind of told the guys that he was traveling with. And they were under the assumption I knew. And then on top of it, to make matters worse, I had paid him the night prior. Uh, I had a schedule for the event that day. So not only did he leave, kind of giving a big FU to the fans and the boys that were you know, supporting the tour and doing the tour. Uh, but then he also stole money from the company. We also, you know, printed off, you know, I think well over 108 by 10 photos for the, the remaining dates on the tour. He took those with him and got up to the last. So unfortunately it was uh, just a really easy situation uh, that we've never had to deal with. Like we've, we've had to deal with guys not showing up or getting on their plane before. It's happened few and far between, unfortunately. Um, but we've had definitely way more good than bad, uh, but nothing to the level of this, this publicity it's received or to the extent of the damage it did, just with there being so many shows that he was scheduled to be on, us being in new markets with fans expecting him to see him and it kind of just kind of smearing their brand for the first time in some of these new places. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. You know, I've been, uh, ever since um, I left the WWE, uh, I've been, um, I was offered my future endeavors. Good luck on your future endeavors. Are you familiar with that term? <laughs> I most definitely am. Okay, eventually they tell you that no matter how much you think they love you, uh, they're going to love you someplace else eventually. And, <laughs> what, what, you know, what I never did, ever, ever, is ask for money in advance. Because I figure if the promoter paid for your plane ticket, that's kind of like his um, situation of, that's his good faith, okay? And I promise you the only time I've ever been screwed by a promoter since I've been doing indies is uh, three times only. And the third one is about to be rectified anyway. Um, but if you take the number of times I've left the house and divide it by the number of money, the you know, the amount of money I've made, I'm way ahead of the game. Okay. You know, you think about it, trusting people has been good for me. And I'm more of a how may I serve rather than what's in it for me type of guy. Um, the people that owe me money, I'll never work for them again. And um, I've gotten a lot of word of mouth that I'm fun to work with. Okay. So basically, 
um, in spite of the bad, it's all been good for me. Now, um, have you tried to contact Beefcake about making restitution for this? Yeah, and I don't want to kind of, before I cover that, I kind of want to backtrack on something you said there, because I'm very much the same way in, in how I do my business and how I was brought into the business. And when I started training, one of the first things that was told to me is, your word is all you have in this business. Once you lose that, you've got nothing. And that's something that always kind of stuck with me, and that's always the way I've done business, whether it be as a promoter or as a wrestler. If I say I'm going to show up and do something, you better believe, come hell or high water, I'm going to be there and make that date. Um, and then on the promoting end of the side, in terms of the deposit, um, you know, it, I, I get why they are done because there's definitely some shyster promoters out there that have screwed the boys. Um, you know, and as a wrestler myself, I understand that aspect. Um, but I can say uh, from, you know, you know, almost running 500 events and a lot of those events having headliners that probably four to five times I've sent a deposit. because I do it very, very rarely because luckily, you know, like yourself, I've got a good reputation. You're not going to find a story of me not paying anybody out there. So I've built up a good rapport with a lot of the boys who've done regular business with me. Um, four to five times that I've had to send a deposit, it usually, it usually means I'm getting screwed. And it's, it's such a unfortunate feeling because, you know, once it starts going there, it's, uh, it's, you know, like you said, you got the plane ticket, you're out that money, you know, you're out the expense of promoting the event. And especially if you have a track record of not canceling events, there's no reason for it because, you know, you know, you're going to show up and get your money, especially if it's a company that has that track record. Um, so, you know, it's happened plenty of times. Like I, you know, we had psycho Sid one, you know, booked for an event and it was like, you know, one of the biggest houses we ever had up to that point We're two, three years into running our, our company. And he just decided he wasn't getting on the plane that day and there's nothing we can do about it. Or, uh, you know, God bless his soul. We had Vader booked once upon a time and he wasn't necessarily forthcoming about charges that would prevent him from getting into our country. And this is after we sent a very significant deposit that we never saw again. Or, uh, you know, I remember we had Marty Gennetti booked as well. And it was the same thing. He just decided the day of he wasn't coming for whatever reason and we're out the money. And then on top of it, the unfortunate part, not only the money are out that day, a lot of the casual wrestling fans aren't familiar with how this stuff works. They just know they went to see somebody they grew up loving and one of their heroes, and they're not there that day. They weren't given what they were promised. It kind of leaves a black eye on the promotion, even if they had zero fault in the matter. And that's why it's kind of one of those sticky situations. This is unfortunate for everybody and why I kind of wanted to bring it forward so no other company has to go through that again. Well, I'll tell you what, this is the way I feel about it. Did you know I had a very, very famous brother? I most definitely do. He's, he's one of my favorite of all time. Okay, well, how do you think I feel if I'm the last man standing and I hear on shoot interviews that people lie about him because they think they can get away with it because it's safe now because he's not here anymore? Well, I've got bad news for you, Danny. I'm here. And I've got a podcast and I've got a microphone and I'm calling people out. Okay, now... We last WrestleMania in New Orleans, I was at the WrestleCon. I heard a scream, and evidently, Jake the Snake Roberts had, um, you know, told some lies about Davy Boy Smith. Well, I feel the pain because Harry Smith wasn't very happy about that, so he took hot coffee and threw it in his face. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I did hear about that. I think Jake was uh, on our tour just a few weeks before that, actually. So it made quite the rounds up here in Canada. And I saw on Joe Rogan that Jake was lying about my brother, about the snake bite and how and what Randy said and this and that. And I said right on my show, I can't prove what he said is false. I know it's false, but I can't prove it isn't. The only thing I can prove is he said, 
you're just trying to kill me so you can take the Intercontinental belt. Well, I happen to know this happened in the early 90s, and Randy didn't lose his belt till 1987, so there's about three or four years of no Intercontinental belt. And I said, that's the lie I can prove. Everything else he said was false. I will say that Beefcake did the same thing, talking about my brother and talking about the haircut. He said, he said I cried over the haircut. False. Um, he had cut my hair on the pay-per-view before that. I told him to take a big swatch of it, Beefcake, because I knew the match would suck because Beefcake's best match has sucked. Okay? <laughs> and he, I told him to take a huge swath of my hair. And then uh, I was lucky enough to be on main events with Hulk Hogan and Beefcake against Mr. Perfect and myself. And trust me, Danny, I was very, very happy to be in these main events because as a lifetime journeyman, having, you know, four months of main events was quite, it's like a fat girl on prom night. I got a date for that dance, baby. You know what I mean? I'm on the main event. And Beef, uh, Hulk Hogan would beat me and then uh, Beefcake would cut my hair. He must have done it 14 times before the WrestleMania. And... Um, so I looked like chemotherapy by the time I went to WrestleMania and I was glad to have my head, uh, my hair, uh, and I shaved it right after that so I could put wigs on and get the cheap pop from the people. Okay. Because I stole that from Buddy Rose in Portland. Okay. You know, sometimes you see something that gets over and you steal it. Uh, I stole yes, it. Well, definitely. Yes. I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> you know, I have, once you lose your integrity, the rest is easy. That's, that's very funny you mentioned that, not to pour more fuel on the fire, but I remember traveling with Brutus on a couple days, and uh, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, your brother's one of my favorite of all time, and someone I still watch regularly to this day as a fan and as a worker studying the business, and you know, there's some legendary Randy Savage stories out there of him being wild and crazy and being a tough guy. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, recently hearing on an interview of, you know, him and Road Warrior Hawk getting into a fight. And that's somebody, you know, you don't get into a fight with, um, you know, but Brutus was convincing the vehicle on two different occasions. He backed down Randy Savage in a fight. Once of them at WrestleMania when he cut your hair and uh, he took it up with Brutus. He said he bowed up to him and was ready to fight. And Randy walked away. And then once again in WCW, <laughs> I don't know Randy. I've never met him in my life, but just based on. Every story anyone's ever told of the Macho Man Randy Savage, I had a very hard time believing he was stepping away from a fight with Brutus the Barber Beefcake on two situations. But Brutus definitely uh, tried to make us believe he did. Well, Danny, think of it this way. He's not here to defend himself, but I am, okay? And um, first of all, he's a proponent of the myth that Randy locked Elizabeth in the closet. And here's the deal on that, Okay. First of all, he doesn't know if the door was locked because he didn't have the balls to open the door to see if it was locked. <laughs> but now that he's dead, now that my brother is deceased, he thinks it's safe now to tell lies. But he isn't safe. Let me explain why. I'm about to expose him on my podcast, and you're going to listen to it and take it for what it's worth because I could be lying too. Oh, let's see. Jake Roberts, fantastic worker, great interview. I have nothing but respect for his work, and I loved working with him. And uh, unfortunately, he belongs to Beefcake's club of how I made millions of dollars in wrestling and don't have a fucking penny today. Okay, here's the deal. Beefcake is on GoFundMe, okay? 
and he's got tattoos all over his body and pierced nipples. So those are not really good investments, would you say? Do you think you get your money back on tattoos or it earns money? Or do you think it causes <laughs> what you call a passive income so you can just, um, you know, Maybe he's not an expert in the cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki, or he's never read The Richest Man in Babylon. In other words, he calls himself a businessman, but what is he really? He's a successful failure. So is so are so many people. I mean, it's like, hey, do you think who's going to be on the Hall of Fame? No, if you're on GoFundMe, you're on the Hall of fucking shame. You understand? Okay. How I made millions of dollars and don't have a fucking penny, a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. And all they can do now is be jealous and, and be angry. Um, you see, everything was pleasure, power, and possession. For me, it was health, wealth, and freedom. Now, I'm going to be 64 this month. Some people think I don't look it. I've had a few procedures. Get Just kidding. But, you know, my point is... Um, you can't stop a seven-footer with Hey Shorty. And don't you dare talk about my brother while I'm alive. You better wait for me to be dead because I know too much about you guys. Okay? And let me tell you what. I um, I was in the Maritimes just recently. And, you know, I heard about this thing that you had to endure. And I've got... I'd like to apologize on behalf of the former WWE for what happened to you, an honest promoter with a good reputation, and you got, well, worse than that, if you have any love for the fans, if somebody's on the card and doesn't show up, you feel like you've been oosgrade. You've been screwed. You didn't get what you paid for. And um, on behalf of all the ex-wrestlers that still you know, go on indies. I apologize to you because I'm a member of the same club. Fortunately, we're not all like Brutus Beefcake or Jake the Snake. Great worker, but mm, not the best money manager, wouldn't you say? No, and I and I appreciate that. And that's something I, I, I noticed very quickly that was just kind of it was inspiring in the sense that, you know, being a small independent company in Canada, we're kind of off the radar a little bit. Um, you know, so when these situations happen, you know, someone like Brutus, for those who aren't familiar with him, you know, that he's a celebrity, he's a big star wrestler. So his name on the surface is going to carry a lot more weight than, you know, the independent wrestling promoter in the middle of nowhere uh, that sometimes could have kind of a bad connotation to it. Um, but when we announced this story, the amount of people, uh, you know, not only, you know, it was, it was definitely overwhelming and humbling the amount of people that came forward on my behalf, uh, you know, people like, you know, just like you mentioned on, on, on your behalf, but just dozens upon dozens of others that I had worked with uh, that have been in the business from that same family, from that same era that came forward and said, no, it was a pleasure to work with when he had me up. There was no issues. None of these problems existed um, and, and kind of stood by my side was, was very very appreciative, but something I noticed, and this is, you know, bringing a lot of insight, uh, you know, with what you're saying here is there was nobody in the business promoter or 
wrestler that stood up for Brutus Beefcake and said, no, Brutus never does that kind of stuff. Not a soul, not a, not a peep. Uh, but there was dozens of promoters that said, no, he screwed me like this too. So I thought that that told a really big story. If you really kind of dug deep and read through the comments that this is kind of behavior and, and traits of his personality that he's been displaying for decades and getting away with it. And now maybe it's just being brought to the, the forefront where a bigger audience is seeing it. And hopefully it either smartens him up where, you know, if he's going to continue to get booked, he maybe cleans that attitude up a little bit, or he just sits at home, either or. So hopefully one of those two happen. Well, I've got one more thing to say because, you know, I'm getting to the age where I forget. And um, I don't like it when he gives marital advice to the macho man. Let me explain why. I'm married once and I am divorced. I have a daughter and a grandson and I am doing very, very well. Everybody's happy. Um you know, there's no problem, okay? But because I'm a one-time loser, I consider myself unworthy to give marital advice. Um, Beefcake has been married 321 times. <laughs> oh, he's got a real treat this time. Any more than twice proves that you, um, it's a triumph of hope over experience, okay? Any more than once has proven that, okay? So I don't know if he's going for the world record, but I do not welcome anybody who's been down that aisle so many times, no matter how happy he claims to be now. Um, I do not put any validation in your marital advice, so shut the fuck up, Brutus. Got it? <laughs> you see, what a... I mean, can you believe that? So something you mentioned right off the bat, um, you know, that kind of sticks out to me now when you ask, you know, if you have, you know, ever dealt with wrestlers that were an issue or didn't do something they said they were going to do, um, you know, as you speak about this, something that jumps to mind about this is, yeah, there's, you know, and I'm sure you've dealt with a million more than I have as an in-ring talent over the years. Uh, you know, of course, you're going to have wrestlers that have egos or have to be treated delicately. And, and that's just something you get used to being in the business. But something, you know, a lot of us felt with Brutus on a day-to-day -day basis was there was a difference between him being unprofessional and being difficult to work with and him being a bad person. And that was kind of the vibe he gave everybody, just the way he would talk to hotel staff and waitress staff and just talk down to people that had nothing to do with being a big wrestling star. It just had to do with being, you know, a poor human being with the way he would handle and treat people on a day-to-day -day basis. And even fans came forward in droves saying, yeah, when we met him, he wouldn't smile on the picture, barely said hello you know, took our money, signed our picture and sent us on our way. And I think that kind of ties into what you're saying here, that there's something a little deeper to the story than just him being a difficult guy to deal with, but maybe him as a human being that needs to be reflected on. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I had an advantage. 1967. Uh, I'm 12 years old. I'm in Hawaii. And you probably, you're a young man. You don't realize that there was a guy named Art Linkletter. He was a big star, but you know, um, fame, if you win it, comes and goes in a minute. He had a sh he had his own show on CBS. And um, so I ran. Uh, I lived four blocks from Waikiki Beach. I ran there, got a pen, got a got a paper, and I ran back. And there's Art Linkletter in front of the Royal Hawaiian Hotel. And I said, Mr. Linkletter, would you please sign my autograph? And he says, fuck off. And it was not just that. It was the tone of his voice, and it hurt my feelings. So, about six years later, I'm 18 years old, and I have my first professional wrestling match. And a fan comes up to me, a little boy, about 12 years old, and he says, can I have your autograph? And I said, why? I said, oh, I just wrestled. And I just, I said, wow. 
And I figured it out six years after that, it took to reverse the role, okay, that somebody wanted my autograph. So I said, well, what's your name? And he said whatever his name was, and I wrote it down and everything. And he was so happy. And I said to myself, I remember when Art Linkletter hurt my feelings. I have the power to make somebody's day or break it. And um, no matter what happens in the wrestling business, I will never, ever ruin somebody's day. I will try my best to make their day. And whenever I see a fan, I try so hard to give them, and, and you know who was just like that even more so? Macho Man. We could be out at a dinner and somebody would recognize him and not me, which is fine. I understand, you know, that uh, somebody might recognize him and not me. So he says, oh, what's your name? Timmy, huh? Timmy, I'm going to sign this for you, but I got to ask you a question. How are you doing in school? I'm doing good. <laughs> and he says, is this true? Is Timmy doing well in school? Is he doing his best? And the daddy would say, yes, he's doing very well. Well, Timmy, I'm going to sign this for you, but you got to remember something for me. Always do your best in school. If you don't, it's going to be real, real bad for you. And then, <laughs> and then next thing you know, everybody gets their autograph and everybody's happy. And somebody said, hey, if you're eating, why do you um, sign these autographs? You know, you're with your family or something, you know, um, this is your personal time. And he says, if it wasn't for these people, I couldn't pay the check. And that's that's amazing. And that's exactly what I've, I've said time and time again of the power of professional wrestling. And, you know, obviously, Randy's one of the biggest stars in the history of, of, of the business. Um, but that same mentality even applies at the independent wrestling level. And I'm sure you've seen it doing live events just with independent guys in their local area. Like that still carries that same weight to that child that's coming to the show or that, you know, that parent that's bringing their kids to meet these guys. And when you, you know, you take someone who's been on a pedestal your whole life and you, you know, you treat them very well, it just solidifies that, that legacy in their mind or in a situation where it's not perceived that way uh it can leave a really bad taste that just kind of sours people on the whole idea of wrestling altogether and it's just it's something that i feel we have the power to control and if you have the power to do good and put a smile on people's faces that's what we should be doing every day wow danny you can say that again and you know something i am so glad that i reached out to you to have you on the genius cast you have been a great interview but i'm going to ask you a question what can we plug for you? Okay, you're gonna. We have a different demographic here. Maybe it's like going uh, duck hunting with a cannon because you know uh, we've got fans in Tanganyika, so they're not gonna come to your Western Canada show. But for just for the hell of it, tell us how can we find you on social media? What events you have coming up, and how can maybe you have merchandise? What do you have to tell the fans? What can you sell them? Well, for those who aren't able to come to the wrestling shows, you can definitely keep up with the Canadian Wrestling Elite content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at CWE Canada. And that's across the board on all of those. And, you know, the reason we bring up so many legends, uh, you know, and, and guys from your era over the years is because we are very, very proud of the fact that many refer to us as the last remaining territory in professional wrestling. We still uh, produce old school territory style professional wrestling across the country. So if that's something you miss, 
we've got that for you. And that's something I like to portray in my presentation as a professional wrestler as well. So if you'd like to keep an eye on that, you can do so at Hotshot Danny Duggan on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Wow. And uh, so Duggan, D-U-G-G-A-N or E-N? A-N, just like Hacksaw. Oh, <laughs> have you ever booked Hacksaw? I, I have not personally booked him, but I want to say I've wrestled Hacksaw at least a good 12, 15 times now. So we're very familiar with each other. I'll tell you what, Hacksaw never in a million years would pull the stunt that Beefcake just pulled. Never in a million years. No, he's one of the nicest human beings I've ever worked with. And that's just, that's in and outside of the business. And it's definitely not due to lack of trying. I've definitely tried to have Jim up here on multiple occasions, but he's one of those lucky ducks. That's uh, pretty book solid around the year. So getting him at the right time can be a little bit difficult on our behalf uh, with the length of our tours, but it's something we haven't given up on. And I'm so happy to report to you that Hacksaw had a difficult Thanksgiving. It was an in intensive care. He had a little heart problem. Oh, there's no such thing as a little heart problem. If you have a heart problem, it's huge. Okay, you know the difference between a minor and a major heart attack? Uh, what would that be? A major heart attack if it happens to me. Minor is if it happens to you. <laughs> you know, that's that's a joke. <laughs> so the thing, the thing is, uh, the last I've heard, and uh, this is a few days ago, um, he's doing much better. He had AFib, you know, and he's back in sync. And uh, my brother had V-fib, ventricular fibrillation, which is the V-shaped bottom of the heart. I'm a Google genius, you know. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, Jim Duggan is the nicest person you'll meet. And I, I don't care how many you meet, okay? And uh, they can only tie him. They, they cannot defeat him as far as just being good for the fans, good for the business. And, you know, I really feel strongly about this, that this is a good man. Oh, 100%. And, he, and he's somebody that, you know, as we talk about, you know, Booker beware of guys to stay away from. Hacksaw's the complete opposite of that. I recommend him to anybody and everybody. Um, you know, there are certain guys, and, and rightfully so, as they get up there in age, they maybe slow down in the ring a little bit, and there's obviously some limitations. Uh, Hacksaw still gives 110%. He's not going out there and collecting a paycheck based on his name and going to the back. Uh, I've been in the ring with him, like I said, at least a dozen times to attest to that. He, he makes me work hard when I'm out there and I'm half his age, and, and he's having a great time while he's doing it, and he makes sure to get each and every one of those fans at every show he's at. So he's definitely somebody that people should definitely keep in mind when they're looking for someone from that, that genre. Well, the only thing that I can do that I feel good about is I don't like to wrestle anymore because I feel it's embarrassing. I used to feel sorry for wrestlers that didn't know when to hang them up. Um, you know, I... It's like I just saw the Babe Ruth movie, um, and uh, he said, I love the game. And the and his wife says, but the game doesn't love you anymore. You know, and it's time to hang them up. So the only thing I can offer anybody is I can read a poem. I can bring my brother's Hall of Fame ring. I can take it off, put it on you. We'll take our picture together. You'll have a keepsake for the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, that's basically all I'm good for now. Which is unfortunate for you to think because I, I recall thinking when I saw you in Tower of Minnesota, you were still in, in better shape than almost, you know, all of the boys in the locker room. And that's including the guys in their 20s still. Well, thank you for saying it. Um, but they said, can you still wrestle? And I said, no, I can't wrestle. And he said, well, how about, <laughs> how about in a 10-man tag team match? So right away, my genius brain says, well, I only have to tote 20% of the mail. 
<laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so um, what I did was probably should give the fans a refund. Um, Beefcake should give a refund for not showing up. I should give the fans of Tower, Minnesota, a refund because I wrestled. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, is there anything you would like to tell the fans before we close? If we're going to cap off the beefcake situation, I just want to first and foremost, you know, reiterate how grateful uh, and humbled I was by the response, you know, not only from the fans across the country of Canada and the United States that have, you know, worked with me or seen me over the years, they kind of stood by me and, and, you know, said that, yes, this is a good guy. He does do good business. Um, and most definitely to the people in the industry, um, you know, having so many legends from, from that era and, you know, current television stars and other guys come and say, Hey, you did the right thing here. It, it really, really meant a lot because sometimes as a promoter, you don't always feel like you're getting that thank you or handshake for appreciation at the end of the night for the work that goes into what you're doing. So know that I left that kind of positive influence and on an impression on so many guys that I've worked with, uh, you know, really, really brought a smile to my face and said, Hey, maybe we're doing it right up here. And there is hope we can keep on getting this bigger and better with that kind of reputation in the business. So it was, it was, it was definitely very motivating to know we're on the right track. So thank you to everybody involved in that. Well, Beefcake and I have one thing in common and one thing different about us. Both of us had our careers enhanced by Hulk Hogan. Okay? The difference is, I was grateful he was not. Okay? I don't know if everything's going to be fine from now on between the two. But the thing is, I never stopped being appreciative to Hulk Hogan for what he did for me in 1989. And you know what he did. And he didn't have to do that. And I still feel the gratitude okay but the trouble is Hulk Hogan helps a lot of people and all he gets for it is tired because as soon as he can't do anything more for them they just abandon him sometimes so um I feel that I still love the man Hulk Hogan and um I will always always if he never does a thing for me for the rest of my life it doesn't matter because in 1989 he took me to NBC Saturday night's main event and made me a piece of gum on the bottom of his shoe. And for four months, I was on main events. You know, I, I've appeared 23 times in Madison Square Garden. Twice were on the main event. And it was all because of Hulk Hogan. I appreciate Hulk Hogan. I'm, a, I'm sorry that some people don't. That's all I got to tell you. And that's, that's nice to hear because, uh, you know, as someone who's never met Hulk myself, he's obviously someone you grow up as a wrestling fan you know, you know, idolizing and he's part of the reason you get into professional wrestling. And, you know, there was, you know, there was that thought in the back of your head. You're thinking like, well, if this is his best friend, you know, what kind of person is he? So that's great to know that, you know, he's got a strong reputation with the boys as well. And, and is a good human being that just so happens to get kind of stuck with guys taking advantage of him, unfortunately. Well, you know, he had that power and he can't wrestle himself as great as he was. Hulk cannot wrestle Hulk. He has to have an opponent and he chose me and I am so glad he did. Because, you know, what a break, what a break. And um, I will never lose my gratitude, I promise you that. So, Danny, Warren, thank you so much. But you go with Danny Duggan. What's the deal there? It was a name I got saddled with when I was refereeing. I, I broke into the business as a young teenager. I was starting to referee matches while training at 14, 15 years old. And one day on the spot, the ring announcer needed a name for me as a referee. He shot that out there, and it just kind of stuck, and I've been running with it ever since. So what did you have with Hacksaw, the Battle of the Duggins? 
That's right. It was team, it was America versus uh, versus Canada, and even in Canada, they were still chanting USA in his favor as he chased me around with a two oh, by four. Oh, oh, oh. oh that's a, <laughs> I wouldn't tell that story, but I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's, that's yeah. But, that's the power hacks. We always we always thought that was always so amazing. Uh, you know, he could be anywhere in the world, and they will still chant USA like they're an American themselves, and that's that's the power of the charisma of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Well, I'm going to be in February in Massachusetts with uh, Bushwhacker Luke and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And I'm so glad to be mixing it up with really nice people. You know, not all wrestlers are assholes. So it's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know. No, and Luke's another great guy. We've had him, we used to, I think we've had him on two or three different tours up here. And he's another guy who's just so passionate and, and loves the professional wrestling business that it didn't matter if we were on tour for five days or 10 days or whatever it was at 64 years old. I believe he was at the time he was still going out there and he was wrestling 20, 30 minute single matches. And it was just mind blowing uh, to see that kind of passion and effort going in at his age with his limitations. But just another guy that really believed that the fans paid to see him and he had to give them their money's worth. And he most definitely did that every night. That's true. i tell you what, and now I think he's about, I'm guessing 72 Danny, you've been a fantastic guest. I just want to say thank you very much for the platform. I really appreciate it. It goes a long way. Like I said, being being kind of tucked away here in Canada, it's very easy to dismiss uh, you know, what's going on up here and, and our side of the story, so to speak. So I really appreciate someone with, uh, with your name and credibility lending us the platform to kind of get our side out there. It's greatly appreciated. Well, do you know where I was born? I do not. Calgary. Oh, wow. Yes, my father was working for Stu Hart when my... As a matter of fact, my mommy was pregnant with me at the same time that um, Helen was pregnant with Ellie, who later married Jim Neidhart. Oh, wow. So that's some kind of uh, interesting thing, right? You're an honorary Canadian. Or you're, officially, you're, a tech, you're officially a Canadian, I would imagine, if you were born here. Right now, I'm a Canadian-born American citizen, but it would be very, very easy for me to um, become a dual citizen if I wanted to. It's... You know, but you'd have to go through a little rigmarole, and I haven't uh, decided to do that yet. But um, anyway. Oh, well, being in the middle of December, I'd highly recommend staying in Florida. You're better off there. <laughs> you know, I just came back from <laughs> Halifax. I'll tell you what. Thank you for sharing. I know it was very painful to go through. I hope it wasn't painful to relive. But I want the fans to know we're not all like that, okay? Thank you very much, Lanny. I really appreciate it and hope we can do it again sometime. Excellent. You have a good one. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. We want to thank Danny Duggan for that fantastic interview and for being on our show. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, I know you went into this in your interview with Danny, but it's safe to say he's definitely not one of your favorite people in the business. Now, you're a sensible man, and what I like about you is that you're able to share your thoughts while at the same time leaving something positive to say about them as well. Take Jerry Lawler and Pat Patterson in past episodes as examples of that. Oh, the teacher says... Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Hey, there we go. Flashback to... It's a Wonderful Life it's with a Jimmy wonderful Stewart, life. Donna Reed. A classic. Yes. Let's for a moment, let's put aside the comments he said about your brother. Let's hear something nice about Beefcake. Well, he doesn't sweat much for a fat person. That's right. 
That's right. And a boy clown. Without wasting any more time, we're excited to go into the interview you had with Terry Funk. Now, unless you've been living under a rock for the past 50 years, you know who he is. He's known for his longevity of his career and being one of the absolute greatest the business of professional wrestling has ever seen. In the past, you've mentioned that you put Terry Funk up there as one of, if not the best wrestlers you've ever had the privilege of sharing a ring with. And our good friend, Evan Ginsberg, he joked in our interview with him that there should be a statue of Terry Funk in every prominent city in America, which I can't help but agree with. Take some of those political statues down and replace them with the Funkster. Terry Funk is the best. The only thing, he, I think he broke a world record for the most retirement matches. Right. That's true. We're going to get into our interview now. Hello. No color ID. That's me. That's Lanny. Yeah, I know. That's you. I know that you're that kind of guy. <laughs> Fans of the Genius Cast, we have a very, very important guest, the former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the great Terry Funk. Terry, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling ancient. I'm an old man now. Still meaner than a rattlesnake, tougher than shoe leather, more dangerous than a hollow-eyed scorpion, middle-aged and crazy. Crazy like a fox with a feather up his butt. <laughs> How old are you now, Terry? I'm 105. Well, I'm going to be 64 this month. If I remember, you were uh, nine years older than me, I think. I think that's about right. Does that make you around 72, 73, 74? What's the deal? Oh, no, 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 no. No, you're only as old as you feel. Well, some mornings I don't feel too good. <laughs> I can't tell the truth about my age. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just can't. I've lied about it too long. Well, it beats the alternative, doesn't it? Telling the truth, yeah. Yes. See if you can lie to yourself and make yourself believe it. Well, then you're going to have, uh, have a wonderful time. Well, Terry, um, I want to thank you for the years of friendship that um, it started out with Dory Funk Sr. and my father and worked its way up. Oh, my God. And then worked its way up to... Uh, that was wonderful. A lot of people don't realize you come from Hammond, Indiana. And uh, your father was the Indiana State Wrestling Champion three years in a row. Right. I've always appreciated the friendship between the Papos and the Funks. Well, your, your, your father had respect for my father, and my father respected the hell out of your father. They both understood each other. They came from the same area of the country. They came from a similar mold. And uh, both of them were tougher than hell. You had to be back then, you know? Okay. Yeah. It was, uh... Well, you better be because that's the way it was. It was uh, very close to the identity of the MMA right now. Right. You were telling me about MMA. You have some theories on that. Please express it to the fans. Well, my, my theories on it aren't theories or anything else. It's, uh, 
It's a manipulation. And that's what they used to do in the world of professional wrestling, was manipulate. And uh, whenever you manipulate, is uh, you put uh, bad guys, poor guys that can't wrestle against good guys. You build them up with our so-so guys. Doesn't even matter. Are the greatest guys, but you build each individual and wrestler in your organization by uh, mismatching, and uh, that's done a lot in the MMA. Total mismatches. You know who else is also involved in the MMA right now? Who is that? Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon is in the MMA. Why, sure he is. Mm-hmm. Sure he is. And if you want to get into the WWE, who do you think's running that? You were telling me, but go ahead and tell the fans. Well, it's uh, Paul E. Dangerously. Paul E. is running things, huh? Amazing. Well, sure he is. Sure he is. It's not amazing. You can tell by watching it. Tell by the angles. How they're uh, doing their angles and what angles they use. And... uh Somebody that's got some sense, and and there wasn't anybody there with any sense except Paulie. Mm-hmm. Do you know him well? Hell, I ought to. I taught him a lot about what he knows. He said, well, what do you think about ECW? Extreme Championship Wrestling. You were the star of that. And uh, how long has it been since you had a wrestling match? Uh, depends. It's, uh, my wife and I wrestled over a pillow last night. <laughs> Recently, have you wrestled at all? Not really. No, I haven't. And I uh, have no intention of wrestling. Once I decided to hang them up, I hung them up, you know. And I retired 27 times. I think I broke the record. <laughs> okay. You know, you're famous for um, in Beyond the Mat. Dennis Stamp wanted to get booked. Tell us about that. <laughs> I don't know. Dennis Stamp was not. And I guess he's still nuts. I don't, I don't know where he is. Oh, he died a couple years ago. Oh well, I don't want him coming to my back door then at all. <laughs> yes, I believe he had cancer. I didn't know that. Yes, I did not know that at all. He was a fantastic guy, right? Yeah, he was up in Amarillo, and I did not know that. I had no idea that. He wanted to be on that final card against you and Brett, you know, and I guess you made him the referee. Yes. Yes. He said he'd rather be right. he'd rather be on the main event than breathe, and uh, so <laughs> I guess he got both his wishes. Uh, he got on the main event and he's not breathing. Well, God Almighty, he was he was a character though. Dennis was he was certainly that, you know. And uh, we've had a lot of characters in the business. I'll tell you something that you'd be interested in, and I'll send you the video after the show. There's a show called Being the Elite. You know, it's got Kenny Omega. And it's got the Young Bucks and um, different guys. Pretty good group. They did a takeoff on Terry Funk and Dennis Stamp. And they said, "Um, I'm not booked, Terry. I'm not booked. He said, well, I want you to be there. Please be there. (laughs) And they they did it just like you guys did it, except they changed a little bit. But I will send it to you. I think you'll enjoy it. You know, they it's a it just a, it's a tribute. It's an homage to um, you know Dennis Stamp was unable to get booked in the final match. It was uh, he says 
you know, it's like when an old guy goes to the locker room, he says, uh, and they all treat him like an old dog. Here's spot, here's spot, you know. I think you'll enjoy that's it. That's so true. That's so true. You know, I saw. I bet I do. I saw Dory Junior uh, a few months ago. Did you? I was in Ocala. Brian Blair and myself were in Ocala, and um, it was just great to see him again, and uh, his lovely wife and everything. We had a good time. I just wanted Terry. I wanted to say thank you for the years of friendship, and uh, you know, I want you to know. Well, it was it was a family friendship all the way back to whenever your father was wrestling amateur. And my father was too. So that uh, includes a great deal of time. Uh, whenever you know a family that long, well, you, you better have compassion for each other if you're a decent individual. Well, you know, I, I turned heel in 1989, and people ask me if I enjoyed Leaping Lanny or the Genius better. And I always tell them, I would love to be a baby face if I could wrestle Terry Funk every night. Unfortunately, I can't. You know, you're stuck with whoever, you know, you have to wrestle. And, yeah, that's right. But that's right. whenever I stepped in the ring with you, you always elevated me and uh, before taking me to the Double Cross Ranch. You know what I'm saying? You give me... And, <laughs> and, uh, right. and I appreciated that. And, you know, of course, I always knew that your reputation is one of the greatest workers in the business. And I never said a word to you. I only said, what's that? And just listened. And um, the only time you heard a peep out of me is when I asked you, excuse me, what was that? And um, because, <laughs> you know, I respected your leadership and your authority. And, you know, of all the times you wrestled, you never wrestled the macho man. And one time my brother says, yeah, I've never wrestled Terry Funk. How, what was he like? I said, Randy, you guys would have torn the house down. It was terrific. And he said, yeah, I always regretted that. I never got to wrestle Terry. Isn't that something you, you guys never hooked up? That is. You know, that is uh, an amazing thing that we didn't, you know. And uh, I really uh, had a lot of admiration for Randy. I thought he was not, not a good, but a tremendous worker. And uh, did a wonderful job of of uh, of just taking care of business and doing business and doing it the right way and smart. And at that time, you had to be a very very smart guy to wind up on top in the world of wrestling. And uh, your brother wound up there, and he stayed up there too. Pretty amazing. Our family took a few detours before we got there, so I really, it really meant a lot to me because, you know, yeah. of course it wasn't my idea, but because I was the youngest in the family, I um, went along with it. That was a, it was a great family name, and, uh, and honestly and seriously, and you know that your father built a name for himself, but you two guys built, built the family name. You know, I'll tell you something. And I don't mean that I, your father built his name in wrestling. And just as my father built his name. But then along came Dory and myself. And we built our own names. But we wrote off of his name, too. 
and uh, you guys rolled off and got that start, initial start into the business, and then you carried the ball from there and did a hell of a job of it. Well, I thank you, Terry. Now I'm going to stop blowing smoke up your <laughs> Terry, thank you so much for being on the show. A lot of fans have asked about you, and uh, I, I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate that you were nice to me when it you just went out of your way to be nice because that's who you are, and uh, I still feel... Well, the reason I did that was because who you were. And boy, I respected the second generation wrestlers because I loved the first generation wrestlers. And that was your pop. And that was my pop. And that was them. And uh, anywhere there was a second generation wrestler, is, I damn sure would go ahead, look him up, hunt him down, wherever he might be. If it was on the highway, Going down the road or in an arena, I'd go talk to them because I loved them. And you two were a couple of special ones. Wow. And, uh, you know, in Facebook, I'm friends now with Marie Laverne. Do you remember her? And do you remember the angle we did in Amarillo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you used to call me Lynette, and you brought in Le uh, Marie Laverne out there to challenge me. <laughs> was, yeah. And I'll tell you what. And then you uh, you stripped me naked on television, and it went all the way to Albuquerque and El Paso and uh, Abilene, and I'll tell you what. Oh, and we wrestled in mixed tags in some of the little times. I enjoyed that so much, and, uh, you know, I was just right out of high school, you know, uh, an oversensitive boy with a bad complexion, and here I am on main events with Terry Funk, and I thought to myself, wow. Just pinch me. It's not going to get any better. Let me ask you, is Herman still alive? Uh, no, he's not. When did he pass? No, he's not. Herman's not. He passed about seven years ago. Well, that's when Randy died. About yeah. Randy died May 20th. It'll be eight years. Doesn't seem like that, does it? No, it doesn't. Flies by. Mm -hmm. Flies by. Just uh, flies by, and it's a different world now. And it'll never be the same. Recently, I saw the match in Madison Square Garden, Leaping Lanny versus Terry Funk. And I still am pr oh, I, I'm proud of that match. And, you know, you beat up Mel Phillips that night and you branded me with their, your branding iron. <laughs> and before you did that, you made me look like a star. And I appreciated it. And I stayed down. You were a star. I stayed down until the commercial because you're the star. You were a star. You were a star. I should have brought up. Thank you for staying down. You made me a star. No, I'll tell you what. You were, uh, that's the way wrestling ought to be. And I, I enjoyed it. And um, you taught me a lot. And um, I still have a lot to learn. But I'll tell you what, Terry, you were one of the greatest challengers and champions I've ever seen. Uh, your brother's matches with Jack Briscoe, your matches with uh, people like Pat O'Connor and Harley Race, and all those greats, you know, they just don't have them like that anymore, do they? Well, you know, the guys that you mentioned just then, Harley Race and Pat O'Connor, you know, is they realized, too, that they were only as good as their opponents. They realized that, and they instilled that into me and into my logic about the business. And... uh it was it was true, and uh, my father always told me that. 
you're only as good as who you win. You win over. And you always have to remember that. And that was uh, one lesson that all of those people, from them to those are great ones, to DiBiase, to O'Connor, to uh, a lot of the great ones, uh, to Bruno, all of them knew that. Knew that they had to do that. Make that opponent first before you beat them. Not before you beat them, but you have to make that opponent. And then, uh, very important. Do you remember Larry Matasek? Absolutely. Did you know he passed away? Yes, sir. Yes, and uh, I just wanted to make sure you knew because uh, he was involved yeah. in the St. Louis wrestling. He was a great announcer. Yes, I believe he was in the family with Sam Mushnick. Uh, he was. He was. Uh, he was great friends. Uh, he wasn't related to Sam, but he was. Uh, he grew up into the business. He's, if there was uh, somebody that Sam really liked, it was Larry. You know, Sam and Larry got along great. Uh, Larry was a very sharp guy. And uh, the reason Sam liked him, because he was a great announcer. Yes, he was. Uh, Larry Manistak was exceptional as announcer. And really, really never reached, never reached the stardom that he, that he should have on a national basis. Well, he had a long, long illness. I was there about five years ago, and I saw him in. Uh, I was in Southern Illinois, and you know, near uh, near Alton, Illinois, where St. Louis River, you know, goes across. And I saw him in the yeah. locker room, and I was shocked to see how sick he looked. You know, and I I don't know what was wrong with him, but I, ooh, he looked a little rough. But um, you know, health is the most important thing. Yeah. Health without health, we're nothing. Absolutely. And Terry, I wish you nothing but health, wealth, and freedom. And I hope you have very Merry Christmas. And I want to thank you for being on the Genius Cast. Is there anything you would like to say to our fans before we go? Yeah, if I'm going to wish something to Lanny, I'm going to wish him health instead of money. That's for sure. Because uh, that's the most important thing in the world is your health. And it's just, uh, it's a wonderful world that we live in if you have your health. Or it can be misery if you don't. And money can't buy your health. Thank you so much, Terry. I appreciate it. And uh, you were a great guest on the Genius Cast. And thank you so much. And please keep in touch, okay? All right. All right. I will keep in touch with, with the genius. Okay. Thank you so much, Terry. Bye-bye. Bye. That was a short and sweet interview, and I have to say, it's an honor to have his voice on our show. Well, thank you very much. Oh, I'm an old man. <laughs> He's nine years older than me. That's, uh, I don't, so figure it out, Wikipedia him. Anyway, he helped me so many times in my career, I can't even explain to you how great it was to wrestle Terry Funk. Even go to YouTube. We even wrestled in Madison Square Garden. Many wrestlers put him down as one of the best because they elevated their own performances. And, you know, for his own health's sake, 
Hopefully he's not doing much more in the ring, but we thank him for the memories and time he's given us in this profession. Thanks for the memories of being here with you, just doing what we do. And here's to all those little dreams that never did come true. I thank you so much. We thank you, Terry Funk. Oh, I'm doing horrible. <laughs> well, we hope the best for you, Terry. We really do. We're pulling for you. you. You've given your body and your health for our entertainment, and we thank you for that. We're going to go to the fan questions of the week. We got a lot of them this week, so I might be splitting these up over the next couple shows. Uh, we're going to start with the first one I've got on my list here. This one comes from Derek on Twitter. He asks, do you think WWE will ever induct Elizabeth into the Hall of Fame and or do a special on her on the network? Well, if not, they should, because the fans demand it, and she deserves to be in there. The first lady of wrestling. That's right. Two people ask similar versions of this question, so I'm merging them into one. Andrew Granthug on Twitter and John T. from Bellevue, New Jersey, he asks, or they ask, did you have a dream opponent you wished you wrestled but never did? And I asked the same about your brother. Outside of Shawn Michaels, did Randy have a dream match that never happened? Outside of Shawn Michaels, no. <laughs> okay, he wanted, he was fixated on Shawn Michaels, and he thought that would have been a better match than the Steamboat match in 1987, WrestleMania three, And he wanted to end his career on that high note and lose to him right in the middle and pass the baton, which is different than the Montreal screw job. And um, my dream match would have been against Johnny Valentine, but I was far too young and he was far too old to uh, wrestle him. One of the best, actually, the father of Greg Valentine. Uh, what did you like about him as a wrestler? How did he inspire you? Well, you know how people think wrestling isn't real? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was real. He used to say, I can't make you believe wrestling is real, but I can make you believe I am real. Josh Blasco reached out to us on Twitter at the Genius Cast. He asked, now that the WWE has the Performance Center, would you, Lanny, consider coaching? And if Randy was still with us, would he have coached? In my opinion, you both would be amazing coaches, and thank you guys for the best wrestling podcast ever. Thank you, Josh. Well, thank you for the question. Um, first of all, I have not been invited to coach, so I wouldn't volunteer to coach. And secondly, I just don't have the time to coach. It takes a lot of patience, and you have to, oh, I don't know if I could do it. It's, um, I don't mind you know, a lot of times when I go to different wrestling shows, and of course I don't wrestle, but I just um, bring my Hall of Fame ring from the Macho Man and let the fans wear it, and then I do a poem. A lot of people come up to me and say, Mr. Poffo, would you please look at my match and tell me what you think? And then I give that kind of advice, if asked. But I don't give advice unrequested. And... Um, you know, I always try to be positive. I put a little criticism in a white bread sandwich of praise. Right, a praise sandwich. Yes. Now, you've also done a couple seminars over the years. What um, I know in one of our earlier episodes, you had given advice to up-and-coming wrestlers, but uh, what are some of the points that you give during those seminars? I asked them two questions. I said, ask yourself this question. If I were a fan, would I pay to see myself? If the answer is yes... Why? If the answer is no, why not? So raise your hand, would you or would you not? And then and sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. I said, okay, ask yourself this question every day of your career. 
and keep trying to make the no into a yes and never be satisfied with the yes because the business is changing and you must evolve too. And if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. You're not staying the same. You have to adapt or starve. Very good advice for up-and-coming wrestlers right there. The Nincompoop Scoop on Twitter asks, I have to ask, were Hogan and your brother really trying to work things out near the end of your brother's life, or was Hogan seeking attention? Randy was trying to make peace with everybody on the Chris Jericho list, okay? <laughs> he just made the list. He had a long list of people, and uh, he went around forgiving everybody and making the most of it. Um, my advice to the fans listening out there, don't wait till the end. Do it now. That really did happen with Hogan at the end. There. Oh, yes. They they made their peace. And uh, myself, I never made my peace with Hogan because we were never off. Uh, we always loved each other and we never you know, drifted from that. Hogan is not just trying to get attention. That really happened. Joe Stasi, our good friend, someone who helps us a great deal with the photos on our social media accounts at the Genius Cast. He's also the curator of the ICW, the Outlaws of Old School Wrestling, the Paphos Facebook page. Give them a follow. He asks, before your ICW days, you worked in Phil Golden's All-Star Wrestling in Paducah, Kentucky in the early 70s. What memories do you have of working in that promotion? Well, it was a great place to get started. And um, I was there about six months. And then I went on to Atlanta and worked for Tom Ernesto and Ann Gunkel, uh, Ray Gunkel's widow. Tom Ernesto was the booker. And I have to say that I haven't given Tom Ernesto enough credit yet, or Ann Gunkel. Thank you to both of them. They are deceased. Uh, they helped me so much getting started. Of course, if you get a good start, it's easy to get momentum. It's that bad start that hurts. And uh, I learned a lot in Atlanta, also from Dickie Steinborn, who is still alive, one of the greatest of all time. Joe asked a follow-up question. He was curious. Did your father Angelo or mother Judy have family connections in Kentucky, which led to them bringing you guys out there? No, they never had connections in Kentucky. I keep hearing they did, but they didn't. I see. Joe added, one of the reasons why he asked those questions is because Kentucky was not known for having many professional sports in the past. You know, they now have the Grizzlies in the NBA and they had Memphis wrestling, but that wasn't really based out of there, he says. He says, I really think that's why I have a passion for ICW, because we could call it ours. Well, it's the birthplace of Abraham Lincoln. How's that? And you got Daniel Boone and you've got a lot of great things in Kentucky. Also, you've got a Hall of Famer, Hillbilly Jim. We'll have him as a future guest on our show. Definitely. Levi Betts wrote in to us via Twitter asking, What was Randy's relationship like with the Ultimate Warrior? I've heard they were friends, but wasn't sure if that was accurate. Also, what do you think of the Warrior? Randy um, had the greatest match that the Warrior ever had. And he had that match in England at Wembley Stadium. Go back and watch it. I give Warrior credit for... Um, complete confidence in Randy and let Randy call the whole match. And of course, when Randy calls a match, he takes into consideration the, the positive and the negative aspects of his opponent. He studies what they do best and he concentrates on that only. And, you know, Randy told me before the reason he never threw a drop kick, he can drop kick, but 
he thought that Jim Brunzel's dropkick was the best in wrestling and Coco Beware was the best. You know, these are the highest dropkicks in the business in the 80s. So he said, why should I do it if that's not the best? He's got a, he's got a lot of ammunition that is the best. Why would he want to do something that he doesn't do as well as Jim Brunzel or Coco Beware? And that's very, see how smart he is? He didn't do it because it wasn't the best. He only wanted to do 10s. He didn't want to do 8s and below. Chris Costner, who we mentioned at the top of the show, wrote in and asked, what are some of your favorite memories of Scott Steiner? And do you have any good stories about him? I have a great story about Scott Steiner. He's as strong as he looks. And guess what he can do? <laughs> he, can, he can grab you by the wrist and knock you out with your own hand. Not surprised by that. That's amazing, isn't it? It is. I was talking to Del Wilkes not too long ago, and he had mentioned that uh, when he was coming up in the business, they used to go to buffets, and Steiner used to dine and dash. Did you ever witness that? He didn't pay. He would eat and then leave. Add him to the list of Tony Altamore and Captain Lou Albano, <laughs> uh, the guys that dine and dash. What a sorry-ass thing to do. Right. Yeah. And you, you want to know something? These people aren't rich by the time... <laughs> If you keep doing that, you know what I'm saying? It's just, oh, my father would roll in his grave if he thought I did that. Live by example. Be a positive force in this life. Don't cheat others. Pay the fucking bill. Eat the food. Pay for it. Handsome Dan Lopez asked on Twitter, curious how the money worked back then in WWF, and how did Lanny decide what to save and what to spend? Okay. Go to YouTube and get The Richest Man in Babylon, The Magic of Saving 10%. Um, for every, every, save a dime for every dollar. Now, that's the minimum. It can be as much as you can, but at least, at least 10%. That's the magic of 10%. And, um, of course, it took me seven years from 1973 to save my first $100,000. And... Now, the reason, it sounds like I'm bragging, but listen to this. Ric Flair, woo, you know, I can't make that noise. Woo! But, uh, woo! Okay, <laughs> I'm not a limousine riding, wheeling, dealing, kiss dealing son of a gun. I'm a guy that um, watched his dimes and pennies and nickels and everything. And uh, little by little, the tortoise beats the hare. It's not success in a day. It's success daily weekly and monthly and yearly. So it's not how much you have, it's how little you need. That's why you won't see me doing the GoFundMe crap, okay? Good advice. And 10%, you know, it's things like that. It's what helped me pay off my college loans in eight years. Excellent. Put a little bit aside each month and, you know, work with that. If you don't see it, it doesn't exist. You know, just put it aside. Pay yourself first. You know, if you're having trouble, just you won't miss it. Just take the 10% and put it away. Now, me, I'm into serious savings. So for me, it's much more than 10%. But now that I have an iPhone and I get the new one every year because it's my thing. Um, I haven't needed math ever since I got the iPhone. Young folks don't need to do much calculations anymore. It's all there at the ready in their pocket. That's right. But still good to know math. That's the old teacher in me. We're going to go to our last question of the week. 
Angel wrote in to us by email to the geniuscast at prowrestlingstories.com. He sent in a clip of you against Jake Roberts at Madison Square Garden in 1987. In that match, after Jake was thrown to the outside of the ring, you leaped up onto the top rope to jump off to do a high-risk maneuver to the outside, but your legs slipped off and you took a hard fall to the exposed concrete below. There weren't any padded mats out there during that time. Were you hurt after that move and did you attempt to pull that off again? That was the last time I ever tried that move. And that's known as a blotch. Okay? Yeah, a bit of a botch, yeah. <laughs> or a fail or yeah. whatever. Yes, I slipped on the ropes. The ropes were a little loose. That's an excuse. The thing is, I slipped. And I never, ever tried it again because I thought that it might endanger my opponent or myself. And uh, I did it successfully a few times. And then that was the last time I ever tried that move. And um, it's embarrassing, but I'm over it now. And I apologize to Jake Roberts, who might have taken the hit. Now, aside from your pride there, were you hurt at all? No. Good. You know what? I've never been hurt or hurt anybody in my whole 21-year career. And I'm proud of that. And um, no, I wasn't hurt. I'm... I panicked. I mean, when I slipped, I said, whoa, this is bad. And uh, no, I was not hurt. And at Madison Square Garden, too, um, it's a good thing they've got padding out there now. But of course, it's not thick. You know, it's not going to protect you from injuries. So Gravity wins. Gravity always wins. And with that, we're going to end this week's episode of the Genius Cast. From the bottom of my heart and Lanny's, we want to thank you for just being really wonderful listeners to our show, for putting the word out there and just coming along with us on this journey thus far. We wish you a happy holidays and we hope nothing but love, laughter, and happiness in these days to come. And as you sit back with your phones in your hands after eating your wonderful holiday meal in your food comas, go over to our YouTube page. Search The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo where you're going to find hundreds of clips from our show. Hit subscribe and spread the word. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Happy holidays, everyone. Until next time. So long. See you next time. I just want to say, not as the genius, not as Leaping Lanny, as Lanny Poffo. Thank you to all the fans that made this genius cast a big success. It's a lot of fun to do. I hope it's fun to listen to. We can't thank you enough, guys. And thank you to everyone who's already left a five-star review on iTunes. Every single one of those is going to help our show grow. If you haven't done so already, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Genius Cast. We're going to be using those accounts to keep the Poffo family memory alive. We had a lot of fun this week, and we can't wait to bring you a new Genius Cast each Monday, so don't forget to subscribe. I'm JP Zarka, and you can find me on Twitter at JP Zarka, that's Z like zebra, A-R-K-A. That's it for now. So long and goodbye. You've been listening to the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. 
This has been a ProWrestlingStories.com production. Find them on social media at the Genius Cast, at Lanny Poffo, or at JP Zarka. If you'd like to advertise to thousands of dedicated listeners on the show each week, send an email to the Genius Cast at ProWrestlingStories.com. Until next time.